0: Welcome to the Stress Nanny Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller, and I'm delighted that you're here. Today, I'm so excited to have as my guest, Florence Ann Romano. Florence is also known as the Windy City Nanny. She's an author, philanthropist, and web series star and host, who always has has a special place in her heart for children. Florence worked for over 15 years as a nanny, beginning as a mother's helper at the age of 11. Her new YouTube series, Windy City Nanny, premiered this past August 21st with new episodes each week. She shares her experiences in Nanny and Me, her beautifully illustrated debut book for children who are making the transition from being cared for solely by their parents to having a nanny in their home. Florence has been featured on national shows like Home and Family, The Doctor and the Diva, Fox News, Good Day Chicago, WCIU, Sirius XM, and more. Florence, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me.
1: I am too. This is such a treat. Thank you.
0: As we get started, I want to kind of hear what led you to this space in your life. I know you started being a mother's helper really young, and I can relate to that because I'm the oldest, and so I was always getting asked to... (laughs) to help out with other people's kids. Talk to me about how that turned into a career for you.
1: Well, it's funny. When I was little, I used to say to my mom, I want to go and have my baby at the hospital. And what I meant by that was to take me to the toy store to pick out a baby doll. And I... <laughs> Come home and make uh, birth certificates for all my baby dolls. So I was baby obsessed from the time I was probably a baby myself. Um, and like most young girls, you know, I started as a mother's helper and transitioned into being a babysitter. And it just fulfilled me. Uh, and I wanted just to continue doing that. And so there were two very, two families I was very close to growing up that I was with for many, many years. And they, became kind of my heart and soul and I was like you know what I'm I'm their nanny and this is uh, this is this is bringing me joy uh and so I kept doing the nanny thing even through college and then after college so I kind of split my time in college when I went away I would nanny for my professor's children and then I would come home and continue nannying for the other kids that I had been nannying for so I was doing it (laughs) in all sorts of ways Um, and it just I just loved it. And then the Mary Poppins saying, you know, you stay until the wind changes and the wind changes for lots of different reasons. And when I was with my last nanny family, uh, that's when they were, they were moving away. And I just kind of felt that change in the air and, Decided to write my children's book at that time and just really go into a different facet of advocacy. Uh, And at that time, the child care crisis was just starting to kind of make the news. And so I was like, you know what? I want this to be my platform. I want to wrap my arms around this and wrap my arms around the caretakers of this country Moms and and dads and and nannies and grandparents and everyone and say you know we need to pay attention to the village.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. I know one of your one of the parts of your platform is this idea of building your village. Yes, can you talk to me about that? Because I think modern day parenting feels so isolating sometimes, and mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. teachings around this are really helpful because they help people find. And then really develop their village. Talk to me about that. So I have
1: always said three things. You have to build your village. You have to ask for help and let love in. Those are the three pillars, I think, of building a successful family. And I always laugh because, you know, that phrase, you know, takes the village. Yes, I, I obviously believe in that. But I laugh because, like, where are the directions to the village? And is there a number to call? Or, like, what <laughs> are you talking about, Florence Ann, when you say it takes the village? So the way the village looks, the way you you create that village is up to you. And it doesn't have to look how everybody else's village looks either. I mean, I grew up in an old school Italian household. My grandparents lived with us, my, you know, basically for my whole life. So my village was Nana and Papa and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was, you know, we had a family business and was very removed. You know, dad wasn't really a part of my childhood at all because he was working and so my village was my grandparents and my mom and now you look at that nuclear family dynamic and that's different now you're not seeing the grandparents living you know in the same home or even in the same vicinity uh, so you have to build your own village and it's hard for people I think to ask again for that second point ask for help they feel like they have to be able to do it all themselves or else they're not a good mom they're not a good dad that they have have to be superhuman. They're looking on Instagram. They're looking on social media at everybody else doing everything right, and they feel like they can't. So it's about getting rid of that stigma of that village has to look a certain way, and the guilt also that comes, uh, you know, to, to parents with having to ask for that help, having to have a nanny or having to send them to daycare. They're like, you know, it. It. it, it, I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing. I feel like they're going to grow up thinking that they weren't loved. And that's not the case at all. I think that when you have a village and again, it's quality versus quantity. When you have that village of the right people, doing the right type of role modeling for your children, giving them the right type of love and experience and exposure. Your child is going to be better for the amount of love that they have in their life. There's never too much that they could have of that, but here's the work that needs to be done with that. You have to find the right people to be in that village. That's where the work comes in. And I think that's where people get tripped up thinking, how do I have time to work and also find these village or, you know, these villagers that are going to help me
0: raise my kids. Yeah. It's so true because once you make the commitment and think, okay, yes, I do need help. I know in my own life when I've said, I'm not in a position to do, you know, this on my own to then it takes some trial and error sometimes, right? Like you think maybe this person or this setting or whatever is a good fit for my family or my child. And then you try it out and you think, oh my gosh, it's not, but I don't want to have to look again. And yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. What are some of the ways you help families kind of define their values or understand what it is they're actually looking for in a village so they can make that process as seamless as possible? I, you,
1: I always say you have to know thyself. Uh, and I feel like that's the first thing we forget when it's time to hire a nanny or daycare or whatever it is. Um, you have to know what the values of your home are, what your values as a family are, what your values are personally. And what I mean by that people, I think, tend to think hear the word values and they think I'm going to get preachy about religion. And that's not at all what it is. I'm talking about what the principles or the, the, the fibers of your being, you know, your moral code, whatever that is for you. I'm not here to judge what that is, but I am here to encourage you and kind of nudge you to be doing that evaluation in your life because here's an example. You hire a nanny to come into the home and they believe in corporal punishment. They believe in spanking, but you are a family that's like, you don't lay a hand on my kids. That's me. I grew up with a dad that thought spanking was the right type of disciplinary tactic. My mom was not a spanker. So that was something in their marriage they had to work through. Um, but for me, that you know, I was never going to lay a hand on the kids. Um, but when you have a nanny come in that is diametrically opposite from you in that way, you have to make sure you're creating the expectations and the rules of the home. So if you're going to ask them to discipline your child, you have to actually have a conversation with that nanny saying, here's what I condone in terms of discipline, if you cannot get on board with this, then this relationship isn't going to work. And that can't be a conversation you have once the nanny is hired in your home. This has to be during the vetting process of that nanny during the trial period when the nanny's in the home and you're watching them interact with your children. And that's just one example, discipline, education, politics, religion. These are all things you actually have to have open conversations about. Unlike corporate America, where there's a bunch of rules attached to it. This isn't the same thing.
0: Yeah. But the flexibility of having an in-home nanny is so nice, right? That you can find that good fit. You can find someone who's really going to support what you're trying to do with your children or in your space. Talk to me about how people kind of come to the realization that a nanny is the best fit for them. Like they understand, wow, this is an option I hadn't even considered, but this is perfect for me.
1: I think in the world today, the statistic is over 64% of families in America today have a nanny or a caretaker. And that is an enormous statistic. And so why are they coming to that conclusion that they want a nanny? Well, I think we've redefined what a nanny is in a way that we never thought we really had to redefine it, but we did. You know, you can remember Scarlett Johansson and Nanny Diaries and that movie and Mr. And Mrs. X. And it's, you know, just the Upper East Side of New York just for the wealthy. That's not what nannies are anymore at all. Nannies are, you know, in small town Idaho. And that's the truth. And we had to redefine what that meant. We had to change people's perspectives. Because the truth is, daycare is not always the right option for your family. You may think, oh, you know what? I I want my kids in my house and I want them to have that one-on-one attention or at least that, you know, uh, zone defense with the nanny where even (laughs) if there's more kids they have that attention. Um, And maybe they don't want their kids going to daycare because they feel there's too many germs there. I mean, I'm going to say all the things that parents are thinking. There are a million reasons why you might decide. But there is a financial factor obviously attached to nannies, which I don't think people realize that daycare and having a nanny are very comparable in price at this point now. So it's really about the type of experience you want your child to have because it's really not driven by price as much anymore because we're kind of looking at kind of an apples to apples situation
0: here. That's great. Well, and I know the friends of mine that have had nannies, one of the things that's been really wonderful about it is the flexibility in the evening when they've had an event they need to go to. Their nanny is just someone their child is familiar with and who can be, you know, frequently available to them at the times when their child needs someone else there. And we're daycare. It's not always the case that you could have someone, you know, watching your child from seven to 11 while you're, you know, at a dinner or at a party or Exactly.
1: And the nanny becomes really part of the family. It doesn't mean you have to live in the home. I was never a nanny that lived in the house. Um, But they do become an extension, I always like to say, of the parents' eyes, ears, and heart. I mean, they just are there. Um, And that's their role. And I always say to parents, too, that feel like, oh, gosh, I'm going to compete with the nanny for my children's love and affection and all of that. And I remember one, my, the last nanny family I was with and the, the mom handed her daughter to me on her, on the first day that I walked in the home and I could see kind of the tears in her eyes. And I said to her, you know, you're the best mommy and you're doing the, you know, the right thing for her and you're, you're supporting your family and all that. she be so proud of her mommy. One day when she realizes her mommy is a big business lady and doing all this great stuff, and I remember then shortly after um, she would cry, the little girl would cry when I would leave and I would look at the mom and my heart would break because I didn't want her to think like this was a competition. And she said to me, it doesn't bother me at all because I know she loves you. And that was the holy grail moment that you want with your employer is that it's not a competition that you look at yourself as a unified front as just a person that she can trust with her most precious possession in the world.
0: Yes. That's such a great way of looking at it. That leads us to this idea of letting love in mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Cause it sounds like what you're saying is when you bring in this village and it is just people who are adding additional layers of love mm-hmm. for your child to kind of grow up and develop in that's what's serving yeah. you.
1: I grew up with, you know, again, like a big Italian family, I have lots of aunts and uncles and cousins And I am so lucky that, you know, at my age, I have all of these really deep relationships with these aunts and uncles. And I know I am loved and they know I love them back. And I learned a lot about what it was to love and how to receive love and accept that. And it's an important lesson for kids. And I don't think we realize that they, they have to be exposed to that in the sandbox. They have to start learning what, love is. And I was lucky to have a lot of people in my life that loved me that I didn't feel that my parents were competing with. And now as an adult, I look and think, my gosh, I learned so much from my aunt here, you know, my uncle gave me, you know, these lessons. And I want the same thing for all our children is to be able to look at the people in their life and think, my gosh, I I was so loved. And I learned so much. And I am the person I am today. Because I had those vast experiences. So I always say, look at your nanny, kind of like an aunt or an uncle or a godparent in your child's life. Wouldn't you want them to bond with that aunt or uncle or godparents? The same thing for the nanny. You just need to change your point of view on it, I think a little bit. And then maybe that will help you want to encourage that attachment.
0: Yeah, that's such a unique example you shared about your family scenario. And I love the way that you said children need, the love from when they're small to know how to give and receive it. What do you think are, is, is it really that idea of competition? That's the, the kind of hurdle for parents when it comes to letting other people love their child, or is it fear? What kind of gets in the way of that?
1: It's a good question. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but I I think today's world, I think it's so much pressure on yourself, to be everything. You know, we talk about this idea of balance. People always say to me, moms always say to me, you know, I people, you know, tell me self-care and balance and how the heck do I do that? And, you know, I always say it's, again, we're redefining what that word balance means. Every day might look different, but if you maybe got to take a shower today, maybe that's balance in your life. You know what I mean? So the again, not comparing yourself to everybody else out there and how they're doing it. I think there's a fine line between looking on social media for that support in that village, which is very real, which as Windy City Nanny, I have that with, with my community. It's not about measuring yourself against anyone else as much as trying to find the inspiration within those people and the love that comes with it. Children feed off your energy and they feed off your example, And you just have to be laser focused about that from the very beginning, that they're going to look at you to be an example of what is healthy behavior. And so you might have to do some work inside figuring out how do you receive love and how do you show love? And if you don't like how it happened in your childhood, the good news is you get a chance to do it differently with your kids. Um, but some of that introspective work isn't so comfortable sometimes. So you have to kind of peel back the onion and see what's there and also get to know yourself because you're their first teacher. So you kind of got to come correct to the situation.
0: That's a great way of putting it. That's great. (laughs) And that kind of leads to this next point that you bring up frequently of asking for help, right? Mm -hmm. If, if parents are in a position where they're feeling like they don't, like the way that they give or receive love? Or if, you know, if, if as a parent I'm struggling and needing support, right? what is the hurdle? Is it, is it that idea that we all need to be doing all the things all the time and we don't reach out for the help?
1: Uh, yes. I think that we want to think we can do it all ourselves and we don't want to be judged. I think judgment is, is difficult. There's a lot of shaming that goes on out there as, as authentic, And as as bonded, I think, as we are as a society now more than we probably ever were, because we're we're allowing a lot to hang out on social media. Now you're seeing, you know, women who are showing you their stretch marks and they're showing you the nitty gritty of parenthood. And I love that and more power to them. It's so brave and it's a powerful message. But at the same time, I think the asking for help part is always going to be difficult because you are in competition with yourself and you're in competition with probably kind of this subconscious measuring stick that you kind of can't put your finger on sometimes. Like for example, with my girlfriends, when they had their babies and, and, and they, you know, were trying to figure it all out some of them had the baby blues, some of them had really, really, really struggled with postpartum. And, you know, I was one of those friends in their life that showed up at their door and said, go take a shower, go lay down for a nap, I have the baby. And, you know, kind of forcing them to understand that this is hard. And as many books as you read, as prepared as you think you're going to be, you're not ever really ready, you don't really know. And the truth is, I don't think we all want to know. I think we need to figure it out when we're in it. And that's kind of how you survive. That's how you accomplish life is by in the moment facing it and figuring it out. And the truth is, once you do let other people in that reveal themselves to you, reveal their authenticity or reveal their, uh, their heart, their soul or their struggles, you start to feel like I'm not alone. And I think that's honestly what I'm trying to get at when I say ask for help is I think you're looking for someone to say to you, I see you, I hear you, I get it. And isn't that all we want in life? Someone to make us feel understood.
0: Yeah, definitely. And especially around something as integral and heart wrenching potentially as parenting, right? To be seen there in that vulnerable space, uh, is really empowering and lends such a sense of calm and peace to any scenario.
1: And anyone out there who is taking care of children in any capacity, whether or not you're a parent, as a nanny, you know, of course, I loved these children like they were my own. But you also as caretakers struggle. And I think we look at from the parent side so often, and I don't mean to leave out the caretaking side, because it's, you do get emotionally attached, you are having to do a lot of the same soul searching that a parent is doing. Because remember, you are responsible for helping raise them. So there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of responsibility there. It's good pressure. It's good responsibility. But if you are going to go into this field, I know I'm going to say something that sounds so silly, but I'm going to say it please make sure you like children. Because do you know how many times I hear people say, I'll just be a nanny until something better comes along or whatever it is, like it's a holding space in your life. And I'm like, "Uh, do you know how hard it is to be a nanny? Do you know how hard it is to raise children? So I really want the caretakers out there to again, do that soul searching and really think Am I in it for the right reasons? Am I going to be in this child or in these children's lives for the right reasons? Am I up for the task? Because it's a serious question. It's a serious undertaking. And whatever support you need as a caretaker to make sure you are accomplishing the job, make sure you're getting that support, whether it's talking to someone like me or you're joining groups or whatever it is, you have to make sure that you are mentally and emotionally prepared for that undertaking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And I know like in my work around mindfulness, this idea of having a filter of some kind, you know, understanding the lens that you're seeing the world through and making sure that that's the, you're intentional about what you're saying to the tiny right. people around you and right. making sure you're intentional in your relationships about what, like whatever reactivity you have, allowing that to go through your filter first, before right. you just land it on whoever's ever around you. One of the things that you brought up that's so fascinating to me, and I've had a few conversations about this recently, is this idea of people with without children playing an instrumental role in the lives of children. And I think sometimes on both sides, there's this idea that if you don't have kids, you don't understand, or there's a hesitancy if you don't have kids, like maybe you're not going to be good at it. Maybe it's not going to be something that you know you're qualified for. And in my experience, there's been so many people in my life and in the life of my child who don't have children of their own and have provided such a beautiful role, like in her world. Can you speak to that? Maybe that hesitancy to engage or that lack of confidence if you don't have kids biologically, but you have like soul children running around?
1: I love that, that, that phrase soul children. You know, I I think back on my experience, you know, I'm I'm a former nanny that still doesn't have my own children. And I am not ashamed of that at all. And I get those people that say to me, why should I take advice from you? You're not a mother. And I always will say to them, maybe I'm not a mother. I don't have my own children yet, but I know how to mother. And I think that that's the, that's the truth. We know we, we, don't have to have given birth or have adopted children or whatever it is in order to know how to parent. And truthfully, what does that mean? It just means that you're sold out for kids that you are want to be there for the right reasons that you want to love them. And I I think back to my full circle moment as a nanny. Um, One of the little girls I nannied for from the time she was a very young age, she is now, you know, married, lives on the East Coast, and she's just sensational, and I'm so proud of her. And it was a few years ago that I saw her at a wedding of a mutual friend. It was like a movie moment, Lindsay. I saw her across the dance floor, and she comes running across the dance floor, running to her, and I hadn't seen her in so long, and I hug her, and just big, big, really just big squeeze. And she pulls back and she has tears in her eyes. And she looks at me and I look at her and I'm like, what's wrong? And she looked at me and said, you are still the voice in my head all these years later. And I, I can't even think about it now. I get, I get all emotional and, and it just, it, it, it did an unbelievable thing for me in that moment. Now, fast forward to just about a month ago. I, this is probably too much information, but listeners out there, you, I I appreciate you letting me like use this as a sacred place. So I am getting in the, I'm in the process of freezing my eggs and deciding whether wow. or not I'm going to become a single mom by choice. Yeah. And she texted me and knew I, I was, I was at the fertility clinic and going through all my workup. And she texted me and said, I just want you to know something, whatever you decide to do, if you decide to have this child or not know that you have already made a difference in the lives of two children. So you've already done that work as a parent and it just did so much for me. So for you out there, any of you that feel like you are less than because you don't have your own children, I am an example for you of what your role can be in a child's life. That is super meaningful and will stand the test of time. And there are things you never thought would ever make a difference in those children's life that they remember today. And that to me, that's all that matters. I mean, I said to her, I, if I died today, I would die knowing that I had done something to make a difference. And I don't even really know what that difference was, but I know that I was a more changed person than I could have ever changed them because of, it did more for me than it ever would for them. So for you out there that are struggling with this, all you need is the love. You just need the love.
0: The rest comes. Yes. Oh, that's so powerful. And I really appreciate you sharing that story. I, we did in vitro for my daughter. So I can relate to the process that you're going through in terms of, just infertility and walking. I'm getting ready.
1: I've I've never done IVF before, but I have to do it to freeze my eggs and the medicine should be here tomorrow is what they do. And I'm like getting ready to do the whole thing. So uh, everyone keeps saying, you know, if I do decide to have the baby uh, right now, I'm just going to be freezing the eggs and the embryos, which that could be a whole different show. I had to choose donor sperm and all of that for half of my embryos that was a whole different thing. So I, everyone keeps saying to me, well, when you want that baby dust, you know, you know, we're wishing you that baby yeah. dust. So um, it's, it's definitely, you know, motherhood comes in all sorts of uh, forms uh, and, really you know, good. so does fatherhood. And um, I, I just think it's a beautiful way to live your life. If you are dedicating it to children and if you're doing it for the right reasons, then like I said, all
0: you need is the love, the rest will follow. Oh, I love, I love the emphasis on love and the phrasing that you use around it of letting love in, because I feel like from a caretaker standpoint, letting love in for you so that it can flow to children yes, and then also letting the love in from other people to support the growth of children. There's just so many different ways that that speaks to me. And I think allowing yourself to be guided by the love instead of getting so attached to the role Mm -hmm. or to, you know, like the title or what, what the construct is around it, but taking it down to the principle, like you said, of just loving and having an impact in the life of a child is such a meaningful way to live.
1: I I love how you said that. I wish I could bottle that. I mean, that is the truth. Uh, You know, I love is something that you have to see and you have to feel. And I, I just, Feel like we have to make a concerted effort from the time that they're little to to really put an emphasis on it. And a lot of the self care that we go back to as adults comes from some sort of offspring of love. There's there's it's all the it's really the common denominator to a lot. And it's and remember, when we're talking about love, you know, we're just not talking about romantic love or things like that you know, I am a big like sisterhood person. Like I've got my girls, my tribe, and they say, you know, vibe attracts tribe and that whole thing. And, you know, that's love too. Learning to trust and love your friends and select the type of friends and experiences and and people that uh, inspire you and help challenge you. This is all, again, coming from a place of love. So when you look at childcare Again, that's all coming from a place of love. But I guess the other, the marrying factor to it is trust. Love and trust really is what it boils down to in life in so many idioms. So I think it's something we need to exercise. It's like a part of your brain and your heart that you constantly need to keep moving and grooving and growing and evolving. And I, I think that's something that I would love children to see more of the work the work that's done about love and the work that's done about trust.
0: Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because as we close here, I feel like that's an important element to this idea of parenting nanny and caretaking loving is allowing the children to see our journey of growth and our progression toward deeper love. And instead of feeling like we have to show up with it intact and sort everything out before before engaging with the kids. And I think on some level, obviously, we don't want to have like a huge trauma or crisis we're bringing into situations with kids. But I know in my own journey, as, as a parent, I've wanted to sometimes kind of conceal those more shadowed aspects of my growth, you know, or the things that felt a little bit hard or tricky or sticky for me to work through. And I've realized so frequently how giving my daughter the vision of what it looks like to be working toward deeper love or what it looks like to be growing as a person or building a tribe and letting her see me stumble or, you know, like make a decision like, well, oh, that's not actually good for a village, you know, and instead right. of beating myself up over it saying like, oh, my gosh, what a gift that she can witness how to do this. Right. She gets the nuts and bolts right. version instead of like the polished finished like, here we go. Here's our village. We're, we're good to go now but giving her the chance to be process oriented as she builds her own life later on, I think will be so valuable.
1: Well, she's so lucky to have you. First of all, I can tell you that because I mean your, your energy and your approach in life is just so soulful and that's so important. And I think communication is something when we were younger, at least when I was younger, you didn't see a lot of the behind the scenes of what happened. And I think now we're kind of, you know, taking that curtain and pushing it aside. And we're like, okay, this is kind of what it looks like. And that's okay. I think, you know, now, again, let children be children, preserve their innocence as long as you can, there is such thing as overexposure to things. Um, I mean, one thing I, I will bring up is, I wa- I didn't watch it, but I saw clips of the Grammys the, the other night. And for those of you that are, are not in the States, you know, it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting rendition of certain things. But There were some performances I thought, you know what? I don't know that kids need to be seeing that. Okay. So what happened to letting kids grow up? Sometimes I I wonder if we are exposing them to too much. We live in a world today where I think everything is extreme. The pendulum swings all the way to the right, swings all the way to the left. Where's the middle? I think we have a very hard time finding the middle and the moderation of things. Um, but the transparency and the communication, I really like where we're going with that just because I do think it helps our children become critical thinkers and helps them develop in a different way. I know growing up in my childhood, my father always struggled when he was younger with math and science. It didn't come naturally to him and it was not natural to me. My dad, instead of supporting me through it would get angry at me for not being able to do it. And it was because he was angry at himself. Now, as a child, I didn't know that I had to figure that out later on. So that moment to me will always stick out even in my future parenting. And even as a nanny, when I would do homework with the kids and stuff like that, I would remember how it felt, how my dad made me feel because I felt like I was stupid or I felt like I wasn't, I was less than, how do you turn that, you know, on its head instead, you know, saying, you know what, this is difficult for me. I would say that to my daughter. Oh gosh, I had such a hard time with the multiplication tables. Oh gosh, don't worry. We're going to work on it together. I'll get you any of the help you need. You just got to get through it. Just get over, you get through it. You know, I will have a much different perspective when it comes to my children about letting them see the, the nooks and crannies of me that I'm not perfect and I struggle And sometimes I feel less than, and sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough, but it's how you explain those feelings to your child and then let them see how do I then work through it? And what is the end goal? Letting them see that journey, I think is important. So you don't have to be perfect, but show them the right way to deal with something. And I think that the health of that is so important for them as they, Fail, fail is going to, that's going to happen. We live in a world today where we can't say failure. And I'm like, you have to learn to do it and that it's okay. And they have to see that you also have failed in things in life and that you will continue to. But it's how you deal with it. And it's how you are, what your goal is for how you're going to get through it. So that's a very long winded way of me saying, you know, just basically show your flaws. But again, you have to be thoughtful about the things you expose your children to, there is a time and a place, there is an age for that to happen. But again, it starts with you. And I think sometimes that's difficult for adults to look inward, and realize that that's responsibility that's on them. And you know what? That's scary sometimes. Why do people don't want to have kids? They're like, it's too much responsibility to raise these kids. I, you know, I don't know. I don't trust myself to do a good job. Well, you know what? We all do the best we can do. But if you're doing it for the right reasons and having children for the right reasons, because whatever your reason is for wanting children, for me, it's because I can't imagine life without them. And, you know, think to myself, that's what my legacy in life would be, hopefully, or are going to be my children. Whatever your reason is, just make sure that you take care of yourself too. And that goes for caretakers. If people depend on you, you have to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's such great advice. One of the things when I was a resident assistant in college, the teaching was the most important thing is how people feel about themselves when they're around you. I love that. And that's what you're describing right there. Like being the kind of person who can have an environment of care around them. And then having the ownership of like, you're saying these three things, letting love in building your village and asking for help to allow you to cultivate the kind of life with children that, that you're looking for Florence. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so grateful for your time.
1: I this was such a treat. Like I said, and this, I feel like I, I re- refreshed just talking to you. It was, it was, this is a really beautiful moment for me. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Take care. You too. Until next time.